This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFN's Baseball Insiders Yankees podcast for Friday, June 11th. The Yankees missed a chance to sweep the Twins, and it happened in pretty uh, horrific fashion in the ninth inning as Aroldis Chapman entered with a two-run lead. He gave up one two-run homer to Josh Donaldson that tied the game, and then another two-run homer to Nelson Cruz that lost the game. The Twins scoring four times the ninth to hand the Yankees that loss after they'd won the first two. The Yankees did swing the bats much better in the three games against Minnesota, but remember, these are the Twins. And I don't mean that in the way that the Yankees always beat the Twins, even though they seem to. Uh, The Twins this year are sporting one of the worst pitching staffs in Major League Baseball. And uh, they're near the bottom of the league in several important rankings. And uh, that's why they are a pitching staff that you're able to score some runs off of. And the Yankees did. They did what they're supposed to. You got some hitters maybe gaining some confidence. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing to take out of this. Giancarlo Stanton found some timing again. Hit three homers in the final two games. Perhaps you're seeing some of these other guys uh, get going a little bit. And it's not something that you're going to be able to say, oh, yeah, after one game that they're back. This is going to be something that you have to see sustained over the course of a couple of weeks and a couple of series uh, and then carry over against uh, the better teams as well. The Yankees play a two-game series against the Phillies over the weekend, and then they face the Blue Jays next week for three before returning home. The Yankees will face the Oakland A's at that point. Oakland is in first place out west. They're, uh, They're battling the Astros in that western division. Kansas City is playing you know, around 500 ball. Uh, got off to a decent start this year, but uh, have not played as well since. Then another series against the Red Sox coming up at Fenway Park later this month. So there are not a lot of easy series coming up for the Yankees. But if you look at this as a series-by-series thing and look at whether or not they're swinging the bats well, well, then that's something that... Um, that you're going to start to measure over a longer period of time. Now, you want some reinforcements. The Yankees clearly need center field help. They're starting Aaron Judge in center field. They did it again Thursday night. They take the first opportunity to take him out of the game with a lead, or at least move him over to right, put Brett Gardner in left, it get, or in center, and shift uh, Aaron Judge over to right. It gets Gardner off his feet for a few innings, but you're still putting him out there quite a bit, so the Yankees' backup plans at center field are now front and center because of the season-ending injury to Aaron Hicks. It puts a trade for a center fielder really at the top of the priority list for me. Uh, Who is it going to be? Well, there's still a lot of time to try to figure that out, and it's not going to happen right away. Nobody's ready to sell just yet. You are looking at 
teams who are still in early June and trying to figure out if they're going to be in this race. It is not the expanded playoffs of a year ago, but it is still the more traditional wildcard race we've been used to. And teams who are just now hitting the 60-game mark or just past it aren't ready to fold up the tents and start selling. The prospect price, that's something to be determined. And speaking to some people about it over the course of the last week or so, you know, you're you're going to hear start hearing some different names when you start hearing about Yankee prospects that are being asked for in trades. Jason Dominguez is one you've heard for the last couple of years since the Yankees got him. But guys like Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar uh, and even Davey Garcia are not as attractive as they used to be. You've seen them hit the major league level, so their clock has started on service time. Uh, a lot of times the guys who are at the lower minor league levels, the A-ball levels, those are the ones who are at the top of the prospect lists and make uh, they might garner more attention here uh, because you have full control over their service time and uh, they haven't started earning anything yet. So maybe a, a package of those guys is something that uh, most teams are going to start to look for now. Now the trick here, as one scout said to me, is that because they lost an entire year of games last year, no minor leagues, it is taking longer to evaluate those guys who, remember, have only started playing in May. So... You you lost an entire year last year. They started playing games a whole month later than they did uh, uh, this year than they do normally. So your time to evaluate these guys is um, it's going to take longer. So this might push. While we thought maybe there would be initially, there might be some uh, earlier action in the trade market because the amateur draft was pushed back into July. Maybe teams would focus more on some trades in June. Um, for teams that are still are still aren't in it, and the fact that they don't have as much information as they probably want on some of their prospects, teams that are trading prospects don't have enough information on their own prospects, and teams that want to acquire them don't have enough information on the guys they want. This could drag things again into July and towards the trade deadline. So as much as you want the Yankees to go out and get a center fielder or maybe a starting pitcher or something else, um, it's this might take a little while to get the pieces that you think are going to be the ones that push you over the top. We'll see. Uh, the Garrett Cole situation the other night, the um, spider tack answer, bad answer. No other way around it, bad answer. He clearly told you that he has used this, and we'll see how he does going forward without it, uh, and we'll see if if umpires go check him. If there's any, you know, that's really going to be a big thing here. He he came out and was able to pitch a really good game against the Twins. He showed up, a lot of scrutiny on him. So this could have been a disaster if he got knocked out in the third inning. It wasn't. He pitched very well for six innings, got out. The Yankees got a win, and Cole was his normal dominant self, giving up a couple of solo homers, didn't walk a batter, struck out nine, dialed up that fastball. He showed you what kind of a pitcher he is. The elite pitchers are still going to be good. We're all going to be kind of curious to see if they're as good. It's the other guys who were using stuff to kind of survive that I think are the most interesting ones to see where those guys fall. Uh, but clearly, we're going to be watching Garrett Cole's numbers after every start, uh, and not just him, but he is, you know, he is front and center with this because he's been named in a couple of different instances as someone who messes with the ball. And of course, the uh, the answer that he gave the other night that basically said to you, "I don't want to answer this because the answer is yes, I have used it." So uh, we'll see how he goes going forward. You'll see him next against the Blue Jays next week. Um, 
I getting back to the trades and the prospects, there are a couple of young prospects at the A level, uh, high A level at Hudson Valley, the Yankees' new high A affiliate, Hudson Valley Renegades, that have gotten some attention. One is shortstop Oswald Peraza, 20-year-old who was just recently promoted to double-A, but he spent the first month of the season in Hudson Valley and played very well. Player of the month at the high-A level, hit over 300, really good defense, speed on the base paths, an exciting kind of player that a lot of people are raving about here early on. And remember, he has played in the Yankees minor league system, but missed an entire season last year at age 19. He is 20 this year and is really off to a great start. Uh, The Renegades also have a couple of pitchers who are lighting things up, high strikeout numbers, Luis Medina, Ken Waldachuk. These are types of guys. Again, the types of names you're going to hear at trade deadline time because of where they are and what their ceilings might be based on their performance so far. So in order to talk about them a little bit, learn a little bit more about them, I had a conversation uh, on Thursday morning with the manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades, Dan Fiorito. Danny, I just want, first want to ask you about Oswald Peraza. You had him for about a month, and he played great for you, and then he moved up. In the month that you had him at Hudson Valley, what stood out to you about him and his play? For me, it was all the different ways that he could impact the game. He's a dynamic player. Just uh, I remember him from when he was a younger player. So I'm first when he was like 17, and the first thing that stuck out was just how great he was at shortstop. Um, special plays that he's able to make and how well he can run. And the bat-to-ball skills were always there. But this year we started seeing more impact. He had five homers in the month that he was here. And he's got some he's got some legit power in there. Just throwing him BP every day, he'd wow you. So I think for me it was just a total package to see somebody that was able to show each tool and all of them, for me, all of them above average was special. And it's just a ton of fun to watch and, I just love the way he went about his game, went about his business. He's a, he's a true pro, great teammate, and he works hard. When you say go about his business, there are some guys that, and you've seen plenty of them, they walk around like they know they're going to be big leaguers. And not in a cocky way, just kind of, uh, you know, they know they know they're good and they know what they're preparing for. Is that what you're talking about with Peraza? Yes, yeah, I think I think for all of our players who want to go, you know, about their day and about especially in-game, with a sense of confidence that, you know, they are as prepared as they need to be to go in that night and see success. And that's something that we had with Peraza. And, you know, for here, he let, he, he let us off every night. And he was an awesome guy to set the table and, you know, go start competing for us right away. That power surge you're talking about with a bunch of home runs, um, you know, in a short period of time, is that you say you saw him when he was 17. So do you attribute that to kind of just physical growth and maturity as a player? I think a lot of it has to do with our hitting department, just working on uh, swing, you know, attack angles and swing playing with him. And he's put the work in. He's such, he's a great, he's such a coachable kid. And also our strength department. I think, I think the year off that we had from baseball, obviously, it hurt. It hurt everybody. Sure. But I think you know some people, you know, used it as a way for them to get their bodies in the best shape possible. And he was one of them. Just how you know the physical, how physical he came into camp. He looked great, and I think we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the rewards right now. And, and it didn't seem to make him rusty at all, because there's probably a few players that missing real game competition. It probably took them a little bit more time to ramp up into it. Yeah, it might take you know take certain guys a little bit more time. So Os- Oswald was one who who had big league camp and then spring training with on the minor league side. So when the season came, he was ready to go, and you know he took off for us. 
we've seen highlights of him that get posted, you know, mid-turn in some nifty plays, but we don't see him in a full game unless you're unless you're actually there. How would you describe him defensively? Defensively, he's someone who has elite range. Is got sure hands, catches the ball. I mean, that was something I was almost I was most impressed with. That if he got to the ball with his elite range, he caught it and he's got an accurate arm. He's able to make that that throw from the six hole. And one li- like little thing, but I think it's so important as these as these guys develop and something that you look for in a big league shortstop was his instincts. Just like play, they tag plays around the bases, always throwing the ball to the right base, uh, cuts and relays, team defense. I mean, he was in the right spot at the right time all the time and find, found a way to make big plays in big spots for us. And the same way his, his power has grown with some of his strength training and maturity, have you seen his arm you know, affected the same way? Yeah, I feel like the arm has always been there, but I think his accuracy has improved year in and year out. And that's something for us that those plays that he's able to get to because of his elite range that he's get to, if he's able to get to them now, there's a good chance that he's able to get an out or at least make it a close play at first base on some really hard plays. Did you have a feeling that he wasn't going to be with you very long? I did. I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. But I, uh, you know, I had a feeling that if I, if Oz played the way or up to his potential, uh, there was a chance. There was a good chance that he can get to Double A this year. I, I have uh, so much confidence in him, and I tell you, I've been around him for for a while now. So, I know I know all the things that he brings to the table, and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun to be around him for the little over a month. All right, I want to ask you about a couple of the pitchers that have some eye-popping numbers, and we see some of the lines uh, we don't get to see, uh, you know, firsthand. Uh, I want to start with one guy who I believe pitched on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, that's Luis Medina. He's had some really eye-popping numbers and a couple of outings where, um, you know, it looks like his con- control command has been off. What can you tell people about what Luis Medina has done so far? Medina, he has he has unbelievable stuff, special stuff. Uh, I think he'll wow you, especially in the games where when all of his stuff is clicking, is fastballs running it up to I believe 101, 102 this year. I mean, sitting, I, I imagine in the high 90s throughout his outing, mm-hmm. and he just he competes. But when his curveball, his curveball and changeup are both well above average big league pitches, and when they're all there. He's unhittable, but I think a big thing for me and the coaching staff was to see him in some games that you had mentioned where he started losing command a little bit, but seeing how he was able to battle through that and get out of jams, that's something that in the big leagues, you know, you're not always going to have your stuff on every single night. So those games where your stuff is not there, I've loved how Medina has been able to go out there, fight and push through those innings and then always finding a way to give us a good, a good outing. And then he'll obviously always have those great outings for us so he's he's been a total package for me and another kid who's great teammate and he's been he's been a lot of fun to watch and the other one who has even more eye-popping numbers is ken waldachuk what can you tell fans about him yeah he's been amazing i mean he hasn't given up a run now and we're here we're here over a month uh he's someone just seeing his work ethic how he goes about his business and his size and everything He's, he's a true pro, and when he's out on the mound, I mean, he attacks hitters. He's an absolute competitor. He's a workhorse. He's the kind of guy that every coach loves running out there. And I think, I mean, early in the year, he was, he was striking out everybody. So mm-hmm. it's been fun to see him uh, go after guys. I mean, his fastball 
is electric. It, it plays. It's got some run and ride from the left side, and wipe you know wipe out slider. So it's been a it's been a ton it's been a ton of fun to see him throw. And he's got a little variation in his tool belt, right? Because he's not the hundred and one hundred and two that Medina is, but he's still you know he's a strikeout guy like you're talking about. Yeah, he could. Uh, I feel like I think he's run his fastball up to ninety six so far, but his changeup and slider are both above average pitches for him, and he's able to execute them in any count and. Yeah, you see the number. The numbers speak for itself with him not allowing a run in this amount of time and then all the strikeouts to go with it. He's been dominant. That's Dan Fiorito, manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades, talking about some of the prospects he has on this team this year and uh, enlightening us a little bit on uh, what they have. Again, Oswald Peraza was promoted to double A, so we'll see uh, over the course of the next few weeks how he does and, uh, and check in on his progress as well. Uh, I want to remind you to go check out the 30 with Murdy podcast. You'll hear a conversation with Scott Bradley, former big league catcher who is the head baseball coach at Princeton University. Cranked out a bunch of big leaguers, cranked out some front office members too there. Um, And I talked to him because of the uh, perception, uh, not even perception, but the observation that I got from a scout recently who said all the things that you don't like about big league baseball, the three true outcomes, launch angle, things like that. Those are all trickling down to the amateur levels, uh, to the players that are coming into pro ball, out of high school, out of college. So I wanted to get a little bit more light on that from Scott Bradley and get his thoughts on that. So please go check that out at the 30 with Murdy podcast, uh, also on all these platforms at Odyssey and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you hit uh, subscribe and review and all that jazz. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.